Indeed, all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our creator, our sustainer, the kind and loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who planned everything for a clear reason and purpose, who chose us to be the followers of his final prophet and messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We send peace and salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ. His pure family, noble companions, friends, and all true believers until the very last day. Today happens to be the seventh of Rabi' al-Awwal. Rabi' al-Awwal. And we Muslims, majority of us believe this was the very month in which Allah Almighty honored the mankind, showed a very special favor and blessing upon them by sending his final prophet and messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa to this earth. And we believe that he was born actually in this very month of Rabi' al-Awwal. Whether it's 12th or 17th or 18th, I think it's less relevant. What is really important for you and I is to think of this month as something special. And it is for that very reason that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Muslims across the globe for many generations, for many centuries, they have commemorated this very event, this very significant phenomenon happening in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the history of mankind perhaps one of the most significant moments in the history of mankind was the arrival the birth of Allah's final prophet and messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam so what do we do when someone tells us it's part of our tradition and our history and we believe out of 12 months, we have to choose one of those that we fully believe, as the tradition says, was the actual time of the year when the Prophet ﷺ was born. For you and I, it would mean something extremely extraordinary, extremely special. It is the time for you and I maybe to reflect upon the overall message that the Prophet was sent with. Or maybe looking at the entire life of the Prophet and trying to relate that to each and every one of us. What it is that we actually learn from the Prophet's life. What it is that we capture when we read the books of Seerah. And how does it affect us does it have any positive or perhaps negative impact on you? And how does it all relate to you and I? You all know that every single day we are supposed to testify that there is no God but one and that Muhammad is Allah's final prophet and messenger, that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah at least 10 times every day. But even more than that, in our optional prayers, we do the same. 
And every morning and evening, it seems like our messenger taught us. He would do the same. He would still underline his sincerity in his belief in, in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawheed. And he would testify to that. But I'm sure it was very awkward and difficult for him, but he would also add and testify that he was the chosen one. He was the prophet of Allah and the messenger of Allah. And he was given that mighty mission. And the Quran captures all of that. So when we testify, my brothers and sisters and dear children, that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, a true messenger of God, how does that affect us? Do we feel actually anything when we say, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ or مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ Or is it just a phrase that we say without thinking, without feeling anything, inside of us, on outer limbs, or any, in any way, or shape, or sense, or form? I think a lot of feelings have to happen. I remember one of my teachers, I could say, who told me his best moment in prayer is the tashahud, when he knows that he's going to greet the Prophet ﷺ and also testify that there is no God but one and that Muhammad is true messenger of God. And that really stood with me, like I, I contemplated over that for a very long time. And I know that I stand before my Lord in prayer and I'm in a special meeting with him and I'm actually worshipping God and we do not worship the Prophet. But yet it seems none of us would know how to reach God or worship him properly without the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And for that very reason, we have to have a very special bond or connection with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam too. We acknowledge his totally human nature. But yet, when we say that, we know and we understand that our love to Allah, and then after that is our love to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Without that pure love of the Creator and the best of Allah's creation, we will not attain true faith in God. We will not be true, proper believers. So we say, every day we testify that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. But you and I need to know that he was not just the messenger of Allah. He is not just a messenger, but an embodiment of the message itself. He was not just a rasul, a rasul. An embodiment of the message, al-risala, the message. That was the same message that was being sent by God through different prophets and messengers before him. Until Allah will, there will be one last final prophet in chain in the series. And we happen to be honored to be the followers of that messenger in particular. So what does that mean he was an embodiment? He was like a walking Qur'an. For you and I, when we teach children Qur'an, and we say to them, think of, of Allah's revelations, the Holy Qur'an, you and I imagine a book, a printed book. Nicely bound book, isn't it? 
nicely decorated too, hardpack. But for the Sahaba, for the companions of the Prophet that was not the case. It's not possible. The revelations of the Quran were being sent down periodically, all the time, over a long period of time. And they were not actually even collected into one volume, one place. Forget about publishing a book and binding it. They didn't have that image in their head. But what was the image then that they had? They had the image of the Prophet ﷺ, his beautiful and shiny face and his beautiful voice reciting those revelations. Teaching them the actual teachings, the messages that are found in that holy book that we now understand and think of and see on bookshelves and have a, each of us have a copy, I hope, a personal copy, we should. We, we ought to. So that's what was the message for the Sahaba. They actually envisaged the Prophet wasallam, and through him they would be able to reach the divine light. And that is why he's been described in the sound traditions as Al-Wasila. The means, the means through which we actually, inshallah, God willing, will attain the ultimate salvation. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in other words, the role and the significance of his role in our own salvation, in our own search for the truth, I cannot overemphasize. And there are many Muslim scholars that included many saints who would clearly say perhaps none of us would fully be able to reach and understand the actual maqam of the Prophet His genuine real role for the mankind, but it seems like for the creation of Allah as well. It's not just al-ins wal-jin that benefited through his message and his teachings, but it seems like he was rahmatan he was like a mercy unto the worlds, means the entire creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, embodied many qualities that the Quran mentions, like gentleness, softness, gentleness. I don't know why, you know, people in today's time and age, this is the age of disparities. They are on, on either extreme, most, mostly, it seems like. Are there too much of that, too much of that? Lefty, righty, whatever people say. Whereas the Islam teaches us the middle way. We have to strike the balance in everything. And part of that is gentleness and softness. Okay, that the Prophet ﷺ displayed at all times, even before Allah chose him as his final prophet. Then mercy, then love, kindness, and his forgiving nature. That's how he embodied the message. And that's how he was. Sometimes I tell people, if you think of the Prophet ﷺ, you should imagine a beautiful soul and gentleman who would, whatever he said and did, would do so with the touch of love and gentleness. That's how he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, I'm not going to criticize you. 
But you think how much of that do you resemble in your own actions and sayings? So our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam indeed is the perfect example of what it means to be the humble servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while at the same time being his chosen representative, Khalifa on this earth. And to strike this balance too is very difficult. It's extremely difficult for us human beings who think we are the cleverest of people, the most intelligent, but we can also become the most stubborn, the most difficult and awkward of all living creatures, it seems. But to strike that balance is not an easy task. The Prophet ﷺ did exactly that. Imagine you and I being given the keys to all treasuries and reigns to rule over anyone and anything when it comes to law, politics, power of this and that. And look, no one is going to question your decision. If you decide taxes will not go up or down, you are such chancellor, nobody will ever question. He had all those abilities. He was even asked to be a king. He chose none of that. Because he knew that that will not strike the balance of what we are supposed to be. The reason, the very purpose for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of us. And that is to be a true humble servant of his. Abdullah on this earth, but also Khalifatullah on this earth. And I remember just a couple of months ago, I was reading through some <coughs> notes on the fifth pillar of Islam, which wasn't too uh, far away. And the Prophet ﷺ, he did say this, we believe, when he made his intention for his Hajj, as he was leaving the blessed city of Medina, he said in his intention, Ta'abudan wa He makes intention to make the pilgrimage and he says, I am fully intending to do so as a complete slave, servant of Allah. But at the same time, I'm going to gain a full liberation, full freedom by worshipping you with sincerity, O oh Allah. So this is amazing. I know it sounds paradoxical. How can you be a slave simultaneously and a completely free man? It doesn't make sense to you and I. But you actually can. If you were only to, to follow the example, the footsteps of your teacher, of your true master, the Prophet That's how he was. And that's what he stood for. In other words, it is through following his example, the messenger's example or footsteps, that we can distinguish truth from falsehood. And the trick is like this, how to integrate inner purification, tazkiyah, which happens from within, with the outer obedience, which is ta'ah. And the Prophet wasallam, I believe, struck exactly that chemistry, that balance between them. Because many traditions tell us, state, when he وسلم, engaged in prayer, when he prayed, he completely emptied himself or his ego, you could say, of that particular state and time. 
And all that was left in his prayer was the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why in one of his sayings he said, alayhi salatu wasalam, this worldly life of ours and this dunya, whatever it is, it, it, it is in it, it's not real substance or structure. And it's not really worth it except the remembrance of Allah and that which leads to it or Ridwanullah in, 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 a, in a bigger goal or objective. So we understood that he would basically melt his ego in his worship. And all that would be there is the remembrance of Allah. In other words, dhikrullah will stand. What does the Quran say to you and I that most people do? Most people stand in prayer and everything is there, standing and this and that form, except a bit of dhikrullah. وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا That's what the Quran says. So what you and I need to try to attain is not just a little bit of remembrance of Allah when we pray and come to Friday prayer or any prayer, but the majority of that should be remembrance of Allah and leave everything else else beside or behind you and that's what it means when you raise your hands to begin your prayer symbolically it means you are conscious everything is now behind me i'm in a special meeting with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i'll concentrate the best i can to remember him with my heart and soul and to be in that remembrance that's how his prayers were and he would say for that reason like best moments of this worldly life is actually that he experienced in his own prayers. And he would say to Bilal, Arihna biha ya Bilal, he can't wait for the next prayer time because that was the most comforting and the best time for him. We also understand that when he fasted, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he fasted from everything that would stand between his own spirit and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is like the highest degree of fasting. And uh, that is why it was very unique and specific for him. He all the time fasted. And he could actually go on to fast from one day into the next without even breaking his fast. But he did not allow us to do that, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's another you know, element and sign of special kind of, we call it kindness or mercy towards his followers. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed him for, to regulate where we will actually strike the balance and not go in one or the other extreme, as I said. So he would fast like that from everything. What you and I should do based on this example is, we also maybe should, you know, next Ramadan, move beyond the point where we fast and our fasting is just abstaining from food and drinks and other carnal desires or fulfilling other elements or ways of our uh, lower, uh, lower self. So <clears throat> it really should go beyond that. It should really go beyond that. At least let our limbs fast of, of, from everything that is forbidden, that is haram. You know, it's like somewhere in the middle. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed anyone, any one of us to fast at any time and any day from everything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we actually gave up total renunciation we gave up on everything everything that that looks like its material possession belongs to this dunya so that we attain the pleasure of allah alhamdulillah 
even if that was just one day of fasting. Because the reward of fasting is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't understand. And I will end maybe here. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to help the poor and the needy, he did not give them some of his wealth, like dates or money, let's say, coins or whatever they had. They didn't have much money. There were no notes, we know. He would not just give of his possessions and his time. He would give himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to that person. And I remember this, uh, I think, Canadian or American singer. He made this song based on that. He studied this aspect of seerah. And he said, it's like altruism at the highest level, which the Quran really mentions in more than one place, but we don't fully, al-ithar, we don't fully understand that. So he says, give a bit of yourself. He said in a song, give a bit of yourself. When I ask you to serve Allah's deen, to serve Allah's creation, the Quran or the message, of Allah, the message of the Prophet, his legacy. How much do you sacrifice? And in what way? Have you ever thought this time, not only will I give a little bit of money to Moroccan people who are now homeless and sleeping in cars, or people in Libya who are still looking for their loved ones, they can't find them, or anywhere else, will you give your time as well? Sometimes do something physically, and maybe one day you will say, I will be in this act of mine, this act of generosity or charity, wholly present in it. And I'll give a bit of myself for it. You shall see the difference. And you will see the blessing, the reward that you will gain in this and in the next as a result. The Prophet ﷺ would always give his whole being, not a bit of himself, his whole being. And anyone who reported the interactions that he had with them, they felt that they were the most important person to him and no one else mattered. That's how the Prophet ﷺ was. So we will again try to follow this high, lofty example. And it is indeed our duty to follow his footsteps in whatever way we can. But inshallah ta'ala, next week we will continue talking about his noble character. The least we can do really is to explain his beautiful teachings uh, and narrate a few stories from his blessed life during the month of Rabi'i al-Awwal. But to be very honest with you, I know some scholars from Mecca, for example, who would say to hold a mawlid in the month of Rabi'i al-Awwal alone and not to do so the rest of the year is disrespecting the Prophet And they are some Muslim scholars, even in Saudi Arabia, I'm telling you. They are all Muslim-majority countries take the Mawlid, 12th of Rabi level as a national holiday, actual public holiday, bank holiday like here, except two. I don't want to name them because you might think I'm biased. There are only two Muslim-majority countries in the world that don't celebrate Mawlid, only two. But they, I know some scholars who said a really true lover of the Prophet wasallam would have a Mawlid commemoration more or less every day and night of the year, and I would say, of their life. And by doing that, you will then honor and maybe better understand the actual role and the significance of the Prophet's message and uh, what he stood for as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed as a sign of his divine grace and mercy unto you and I, 
and the rest of Allah's creation. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لَحْظِيمَ لِي وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ